Hey, I'm Dr. Judy and welcome to Supercharged Life, where I help you discover new ways to create success, wellness, and fulfillment, and give you tangible tools to supercharge your life. I have a super special show for you today, and I'm really excited about it. I'm doing a crossover episode with another member of the Stage 29 podcast production family, Gretchen Christine Rossi and Slade Smiley. They have an amazing podcast called Not Too Taboo. You all need to subscribe and listen. And that podcast definitely lives up to its name. Gretchen and Slade share all of the intimate details of their life as a couple and as parents to their adorable daughter, Skylar. They're so fun to talk to and they aren't afraid to keep it totally real and honest no matter what topic they are discussing. And they are really insightful, thoughtful, smart individuals. I learned a lot from them and they really understand understood this concept of self-sabotage, which was the theme of our episode. They invited me on their podcast to talk about my book, Stop Self-Sabotage. And again, I just had such a fun time with them. The time just flew. And I honestly couldn't believe how vulnerable they both were with me. And it really helped to move that conversation forward because self-sabotage is something that happens to all of us, even the most successful people in the world. And that's why I wanted to share this conversation with you today. And I want to remind you to stay tuned because at the end of this episode, I'm going to give my usual supercharged tips, but this time I'm sharing the tips directly from my book so that you can stop sabotaging yourself in whatever area of life you feel like you're stumbling upon and go live the life of your dreams. I decided to write this book because self-sabotage is truly universal. And I have a theory about why it is universal. It's actually built into our biology and evolution. All human beings have two primary drives, attain rewards and avoid threat. And as long as those two things are kind of in balance, then things kind of go swimmingly. But sometimes we allow the part of us that wants to avoid threat to take over. It becomes amplified in our life. And now, even though we're not running away from the saber-toothed tigers, the emotional threat feels just as scary to our brains. In fact, our brains have not evolved beyond distinguishing between physical and emotional threat. And why should it? We know that emotional threat causes the same fight or flight issues because emotional wellness is just as important as physical wellness for our ultimate survival. There's been tons of studies about this. For example, the idea that when somebody feels chronically lonely, that they start to have really adverse physical outcomes, like they're more at risk for obesity, diabetes, heart problems, and even early death. So we know these two things are completely linked. And that's why self-sabotage occurs. When that threat factor gets amplified, you sort of forget about the attaining rewards part, which is just as important to living a wonderful, sustainable, fulfilling life. And we're going to get to the conversation with Gretchen and Slade next. I'm super excited about today. Me too. Like beyond. Yeah. Because we're not supposed to pick favorites. <laughs> you are already picking the, favorites, I'm huh? Totally picking favorites. <laughs> There's just so everybody knows, we're part of a very, very exclusive stage 29 family. Woohoo! There's some incredible and talented and, 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 and wickedly intelligent individuals that are part of this group. Why the hell were there? I don't know. But let's not question <laughs> that. Uh, the fact is, is that one of my favorite doctors. One of my favorite people that's part of this family has joined us today. I know. I'm so excited. Me too. 
I'm going to read a little bit about her. Okay. It's a really long list of stuff. Wait, so you're going to read what I'm supposed to say? You, look at, see, he's already botching this No, out. no, 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 no. This, I'm, I'm just talking about this is a very special episode. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> oh, Lordy. Come on. Okay. You, you want to, you're going to give credits. You're going to, you're going to read like her accolades. I want to talk about her accolades. All right. <laughs> Can I say that uh, she's a best-selling author? Yes, she is. Okay. Can I say she's an amazing colleague? Oh my gosh, here we go. I'm just checking. I mean, those are some things I wanted to get to, but okay. Uh, Gretchen, please introduce our guest. Oh my goodness gracious. Okay, so you guys, we have Dr. Judy Ho, who is a triple board certified clinical and forensic neuropsychologist, which by the way, I don't even know what that title means. So I'm going to ask her first at the gate what that means. Yeah, but the point is they gave you that because they knew you would be able to pronounce it better than me. But good point. But that's like a lot of like acronyms before just psychologists. So I have to ask her about that. She's a professor. She's a Really? What? I'm having a tough time already okay. this morning. You go, babe. It's, it's it. a long list. She's a smart lady. You keep going. <laughs> She's a professor at Pepperdine University, a researcher, and an author. She also has a private practice where she sees patients, and she is passionate about translating scientific tips for wellness, motivation, and productivity in practical and usable ways for everyone. So you guys, on her podcast, Supercharged Life, she delves into a variety of different topics to boost your mental and physical health and gives you tangible tips that you can put to use today to supercharge your self-development journey. So today we are going to talk all about her life-changing book, Stop Self-Sabotage. And we're so thrilled to have you with us, Dr. Judy, Judy Ho. Yay! Yay! I'm so excited to be here. Hi, Gretchen. Hi, Slade. The Hi, queen doctor. and the king are in the house, right? So Gretchen is the queen, then Slade is the king, and I don't know what but I am. Maybe I'm the court so jester sweet. today. Because <laughs> I, I get title of jester normally, so if I, you know, she's elevating. I know, so you went yeah. from jester to king, I Thank like Thank you, it. doctor. I knew there was going to be she's my favorite. She's my favorite. We're excited to have you today because on our last podcast, we actually started talking a little bit about self-sabotaging. And why people do this, why people don't even recognize that they do it, why people can't stop doing it, like all the things that, you know, all of us think about, but we never really like delve into it. So it's really amazing for you to be here today because not only are you a, wait a minute, I got to say the word right because a forensic <laughs> neuropsychologist, okay, which I'm still- Clinical and forensic I'm still like confused what that means. So you're going to have to explain <laughs> that to me. Um, but you wrote a book all about self-sabotage. So first of all, let's talk a little bit about those credentials. Help me understand what that even means. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I'm a clinical and forensic neuropsychologist, which means that I actually wear several different hats when I work with patients and also some crossover work into the legal setting. And so I treat patients, I evaluate them, I find out how their brain works, what diagnoses they have, how I can put together a good treatment plan to help them get better. But also oftentimes I'm retained in civil or criminal cases to evaluate people and find out exactly what's going on in their brains and their minds and what that means, not only about whether or not they can get better through treatment, but in the criminal sphere, it's things like, can they even stand trial? Do they understand right from wrong? And how likely they are to reoffend later if they've already been convicted of a crime. So that gets a little bit more serious, wow. but awesome. it's, it's all That's part of deep. the work that I do. Yeah, but you know what's interesting scary. about that? That's a little that's a little scary. That's a little deep. Okay, so 
First of all, I have a degree in psychology with a minor in family studies and child development. Nothing the level that you're at, but I have at least a clue. Okay. But here's the thing. When I went to school and I thought, oh, maybe one day I'll get, you know, my PhD and like go further with this and become a clinical psychologist or psychiatrist or whatnot, I would have never in a million years been like, yes, okay, now I want to be a A forensic forensic neuropsychologist. neuropsychologist. And then (laughs) just the thought of like having to be like in a court system with somebody, let's say, because it sounds like it's something serious, like if somebody murdered somebody and like they don't even remember it or know or whatever, or they're not mentally sane or whatever. That's like that's like a mm-hmm. big burden to carry. It definitely feels more serious in in terms yeah. of this could be a person's life and they might stay in prison longer or get out right. earlier, partially because of what you're recommending. And so I, I get very perfectionistic yes. about my work. Like I, I triple check everything because again, I'm only one person and one opinion, but I never, sometimes I don't want to have that much impact on someone's life. You know? I know. That's why, yeah. that's why I'm asking that question. Cause immediately when you said that, I'm like, oh my gosh, I would think that would be like a heavy burden to carry. So do you, so you actually have to meet with these people and like evaluate them. So in the criminal cases, I've had to evaluate these people who are already in prison. I'll have to go to a maximum security prison. They take all my stuff away from me so I can't have my phone. I can't have any of my personal devices. And I'm literally helpless in there. I actually had a very scared straight experience the last time I went to evaluate an inmate. Uh, They ditched me. I had no idea where anybody went. They told me, the guards told me they were going to go get the prisoner for me to evaluate. And then I was in a seclusion room by myself for over an hour. I, oh. I had no way of contacting anyone. I was by myself. And then oh my it's like a skiff, right? Cause they've taken all your yeah. stuff. <gasps> yeah. I had oh, no yeah. idea. I was like, where's my Gosh. stuff? I have no way to contact anyone. So finally they come back over an hour later with the inmate and the guard is like, I'm so sorry, but there was a fight that broke out in the yard and then we got distracted. We were busy managing that. I'm like, okay, fine. So then we start doing our work and then I needed to go to the bathroom. So I had to tell the guard, can I please go to the bathroom? So he radios the central tower to open a door for me to go to the bathroom. And I noticed that they were opening a cell for me a cell where you can see into the cell and the bathroom was just right there. And I said, do you, did you want me to go in Wait the bathroom? Wait a minute, here? come on. Yes. And I said, I'm sorry, I'm so confused. Like, so people can watch me. I, I'm, I, what, what's happening? And then the guard said, oh my gosh, miscommunication. We thought that it was the inmate that needed to go to the bathroom. And all of a sudden this like, door just opens and there's no markings on the door. And of course it's like a pristine, beautiful staff bathroom. But I actually thought I was gonna have to go in like, you know, I'm, like I said, this was a scared straight experience. I mean, oh, I'm not my ever going to break the law, right? You just never want to break the law and never be no. finding yourself in that kind of situation. See, I just, that no. to me that is like me. creepy guard knew better and that's, they tried to get you to I, go in there to do it. That's literally what I was just thinking. I was just thinking they're like, let's see if we can get this chick to go to the bathroom yeah. in front of us. Do I don't you, know. And I assume you dress down a lot when you go... Do something oh, like yeah. That. yeah. Oh, definitely. I'm completely yeah. covered. I wear a suit. You know, I yeah. just, I just keep it. I keep it really straight. I just don't want to. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. But, but that actually makes me re- feel really scared sometimes where, yeah. I mean, again, you just don't realize you're so lucky to have all your freedoms and liberties. And when I you know. go into a maximum security prison, Ugh. well, anyway. we're, we're lucky right now. We'll see if that changes over time. <laughs> don't get me started on that subject. Okay. So, um, okay. So let's, I want to kind of like dissect this. Okay. And you know, I've read about your book and I think it's important that we are, I shouldn't say read about your book. I, I, we did the audio thing of your book, but here's the thing. I want 
I feel like we can talk of like the main stuff about, you know, the acronyms and all this stuff, but I want to like delve into it even a little bit deeper and actually maybe talk about somebody's like actual situation, whether it be slate. I think we're going to talk about slate today. Um, you know, and really like <laughs> what those practical things are that people out there can really do to, to really stop self-sabotaging themselves and really recognize that they are self-sabotaging themselves. Because I think that a lot of the times we might take, a, you know, the quiz or do stuff like this and then we're like, yeah, maybe we do that. But then they don't really apply it to their life. And I think that this is a really important subject because I think so many people don't get ahead in their lives and they are their own worst enemy. I know so many people in my life like that and I'm probably one of them. And I just really want to like take away something so tangible that everyone is like, okay, I'm going to really, you know, come out of this so empowered not to self-sabotage myself anymore. Well, you want an action plan, right? Because I bet you yeah. come across people who wonder why they haven't achieved success or right. they wonder why people around them are achieving things that they're not achieving themselves or in their own lives, right. but they really don't know how to probably self-evaluate. The actions that they take or the decisions they make that lead to, you know, their lack of success or their inactivity in certain areas. Mm -hmm. So you want an action plan. You want to be able I to do. give someone a tool that they can actually put into put put into a place and and come back to us and say, "Look, that really helped change the, the direction right. of my life." Absolutely. So okay, no pressure, doctor. No, <laughs> that's what a uh, veteran wants. I know, but no. I mean, I guess the best first question is: is why did you even write this book? Where did this come from? Why did you decide to write this? Well, first of all, I think that self-sabotage is universal and it affects mm -hmm. all of us. And so I love that you guys are saying, hey, this happens to me personally from time to time. But, you know, it happens to all of us. We yeah. all self-sabotage from time to time. And that's really why I wanted to write this book, because I saw it in every single person. You know, I've self-sabotaged my family, my friends, coworkers, patients, of course. And generally, self-sabotage is not this phenomenon where your whole life is a hot mess. Like that's not it. Right. It's, it's that generally your life is together, but just a couple of areas. Why can't you keep moving forward? What is the deal? And that obviously yeah. gets people down. They'll even use the word self-sabotage or they'll say they got in their own way. And then it just kind of felt like there were no action steps. And that's why I'm so glad that you guys started this conversation by saying we want those action steps. Because that's why I decided to write this book. It's like, we all self-sabotage. It's a human thing. So let's get a plan together and let's defeat this. Yeah. I love that. I love it. Now, now, did you do that because, meaning, did you write the book because of your practice and seeing that happening a lot in your practice? Or was it something personal that you saw in yourself and you were like, you know what, I need to help other people with this? Well, you know, I think it's both. I saw it a lot in my patients, a lot of my family members, a lot of my friends. But I also realized that for myself, when I was in my 20s, especially, my biggest self-sabotage thing was procrastination. It was like... Mm. I thought in my head that if I waited till the last minute, I was going to produce my best work. It was the weirdest thing. I don't really know why I came up with that idea, but at some point I did. And I think part of it is also because I was perfectionistic. So sometimes I didn't really want to get started until I was like in the right mindset or, you know, I had a whole big chunk of time. And, you know, eventually you mess up. Eventually you have a total failure and you don't get something done and you have no excuse for it because whatever, you were given this project two weeks ago and you ended up pulling an all-nighter and not doing your best work. And so right. I definitely saw that in myself a lot in my early 20s. Um, and then I saw that it was happening all over the place in relationships. People say that they wanted good romantic relationships. They kept going for the wrong people, 
right? Or they say that they want that promotion at work, but they keep getting in their own way and stalling their progress. Or they say that I'm going to finally get that exercise routine going or eat healthier. And then they'll have one little slip up and then they just throw the entire goal out the window. Forget it. I guess I'm just not cut out for this. So it happens in every sphere of life, but in general, most people do pretty well in a lot of their life. And there's just like one or two things that they keep doing this with. Do you feel like she's talking about me? <laughs> I was just going to laugh. No. So what's interesting is I think, I think you and I both procrastinate for sure. Yes. Yeah. When you were talking about procrastination, the first thing that came into my head was, here's the problem. We, we procrastinate, but I think at the end of the day, I can't sit back and say there was a time where I didn't get it done. No, that's true. You're good at that. I mean, I, I actually am. I actually don't procrastinate as much as you. He's like, he goes right to the, like the 11th hour, but he really does always get it done. But like you said, I think there's something to be said for, you might still get it done, but it might not be quite at the level that, you know, you could have got it done. Had you not procrastinated that long or whatnot? Are right? you attacking my work right now? Gretchen? <laughs> no, You're making saying, an accusation that's underhanded I'm about my work. I'm saying that I think it's such a good point. So it's a very good point. So how did you overcome that procrastination? How did you figure that out? And how did you start, you know, do you set goals? Do you set limits? Do you say, okay, you know, like, how did you get out of that rut? Well, you know, I think a lot of it was really actually confronting the problem at first. And sometimes you get away with it. Like we just talked about, you know, you procrastinate, mm -hmm. but then you do a good job. And then people will say, you did a great job. And you're like, oh, I'm amazing. This is awesome. But right. eventually you don't get away with it. And I think that then you have to really be honest with yourself and say, what are the thoughts that are leading to me essentially repeating this pattern over and over again, like again, trying the same thing over and over and then getting the same outcome and then being upset with that outcome. So you, you do have to sort of confront that first. And it's never comfortable to confront something about yourself that maybe you don't like. But once you can acknowledge it and recognize it, that's when you can put a plan together. And I think that a lot of what self-sabotage in you know, instills in people is that they have this feeling, something about themselves that they don't like. And a lot of times we try to run away from that. We distract ourselves. We think about something else. We try to explain it away. And that's why the problem never gets solved. And so the first step is really the hardest step, which is having more awareness of your thinking and what's leading you down these patterns. Hmm. That's interesting. So what do you think is the reason for you procrastinating? I'm so curious. Well, I can tell Come you. Come on, let's evaluate you right now. Okay. Doctor, let's evaluate Slade. <laughs> so my biggest hang up right now is uh, I, I have 25 pounds heavier than I should be. Mm -hmm. And I always want to get back into my exercise and workout routine and eating better. But then it's not my fault. There's Tootsie Rolls in the cabinet. <laughs> <laughs> See, he's blaming other people for his lack of success or lack of Lack of discipline. Uh -huh. It's a lack of discipline. That's yeah. what it is. It's do a lack of time and sleep. Okay, but do you see a lot of people blaming other things in their lives for issues that they have? Is that that's like got to be number thing? one? Actually, nobody likes to take personal responsibility for their failures. Right. It's always someone oh, else's fault. Definitely, and I think while it feels again temporarily really good to blame somebody else for something that didn't work out for you, it also starts to put this idea in your head that it's out of your control. 
And mm -hmm. actually it's not, it, it is in your control. The, the, the part of you that might self-sabotage, there is a part of that that you can control. And sometimes all of it is under your control. And so once you can actually get comfortable with that idea, that's when you can make changes. Because if you always think that it's somebody else's fault that uh, you're not getting the success that you want in a certain area, then why would you ever change your behaviors? Because you're blaming someone else. This is not anything to do with you. It's just bad luck. It's because they had it out for you. It's because, you know, they put the ice cream in front of you <laughs> and uh, you <laughs> right. weren't going to eat it unless it was in front of you. That's what my husband says. Like, we've been eating a lot of ice cream lately. And uh, <laughs> after dinner, we'll I'll put it out and he'll say, stop putting it in front of me because I'm going to eat it. I'm like, well, you could also just not eat it. I could eat it and you can just watch me eat it. But no, he, he definitely blames me for that. <laughs> for sure. So I think you should pick something of me that you know that I constantly self-sabotage myself about. With you the eating, to, for sure. Is it? Oh, totally. Totally. Because it's like, I can't even tell you how many times. I have so okay. many excuses for this. So, so I can't even tell you how many times he legitimately will like be, and he means it. And this is the part that I love about him. He's like, we got to eat healthier. We got to do, we, and it's like, and it's always a, we, it's a never a me. It's always like a, we, we have to do it together. And so, um, so I'm like, yeah, I know. <laughs> like I, so like perfect example was yesterday. Okay. I woke up and it was exactly what you just said. It was like, I all of a sudden realized like, you know what? I have control over my fitness and my health and my, this and my, that, like I, it doesn't matter what he's doing. I have control over this. And I think you're right for that last couple months. Well, I should say quarantine because I think all of us during quarantine were making this excuse up. But during quarantine, it was just like I wasn't taking um, responsibility for my own like health and whatnot. And so yesterday morning, I before I went to bed um, yesterday morning, I literally was like, I'm waking up and I'm making a change. Like, that's it. I'm changing. So I woke up in the morning and I worked out and I, and I ate my oatmeal. And then I physically got in a car and drove to get my kale salad with salmon and this and that. The other. And then last night, normally I do like a little bit of ice cream or a little chocolate thing at night. And I said, no. And instead I made this chocolate protein shake so that it would satisfy the, you know, the, the sweet tooth. The sweet tooth. And I like went to bed and I felt really great about it. And I was like, you know what? I have control over this. It doesn't matter what he's doing. It doesn't matter what's going on there. It doesn't matter if he doesn't want to eat the same thing I want to eat. Cause I even called him for lunch. I was like, do you want, do you want me to pick you up a nice salad? No, no, no. So I, it was so. I said, no, 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 because lucky charms are. A, a, yeah, exactly. A good food. So it was incredibly empowering to take your power back and to be like, you know what? It doesn't matter what anybody else around me is doing, saying anything. I have complete control over this. And I, for me, at least that is the first step I think that people need to take is they have to take that control back and they have to recognize that they have the ability to change it. Nobody, nobody else is going to show up for you. That's the other key. No one is going to show up for you. There's not going to magically be a chef in your kitchen unless you're uber rich and you can afford to have a chef every day. No one is going to show up for you and except for yourself. So you have to make that decision to do that. I could not even let you two hang out together. <laughs> you, you guys would talk for days. I know. But, but where he sabotages a lot, I feel like, is he always is like, yes, I want to do this. I want to do this. And then, you know, it, yes, we do have the excuses of like a baby, we're tired, we don't sleep, whatever. And then you just get in a position where you're hungry and you're frustrated and you just grab the first thing that you can 
grab to it's eat. desperation. But again, it's about that. It's the procrastination again. So if you know that that's what you're always tending to do, then we have to meal prep on Sundays or we have to make sure that we have mm-hmm. like meals coming or whatever. Like you have to take the steps to say, okay, yes, this is always the predicament. I feel like I'm in and the last minute and I'm eating crap, but I have to like prepare something. Or Am, am I speaking, um, making sense, doctor? <laughs> you're <laughs> absolutely right on. That is exactly it. Because self-sabotage isn't something that just happens once and never comes back. It's a pattern. It's a pattern that yeah. developed. And so unless you're willing to take a look at that pattern and look at your thoughts that lead to that pattern, it's not going to change. But it is right. so empowering when you can make that shift of like, this is within my control. Because if I see the pattern, then I can have a plan ahead of time. And when I see myself going toward that pattern, just like the beginning inklings of it, you can say, up. Oh, I can catch it already. I see the trigger and we're going to turn this around right now. And I actually already have a plan for that. And I know what I'm going to do. And then once you feel that level of control over your own experience and your own behaviors, it is so empowering. And I feel like, especially right now, we all need a little bit more of that. You know, this whole last year with the pandemic, everybody just feels like everything's so out of their control. It is so stressful, right? Nobody wants that. Like the human being in the human mind, we need to feel like things are under our control. Even when they're not, we have to have that, you know, perception that it is so that we can Mm -hmm. feel safe. Of course, right now, nobody feels safe because you have no idea what's going to happen tomorrow. It's like something opens one day, the next day they're closed again. You know, Uh, you're supposed to be able to do this. And now there's another travel advisory. I mean, all of these things Mm -hmm. keep changing. So it's a really good time to focus on the things that you can control. And self-sabotage is definitely something you can control because it starts with the word self. Like this has to do with you. It doesn't have to do with other people sabotaging you. This is something that you're doing to yourself inadvertently. There's no blame or shame about it because it's universal, but let's start changing that dialogue today and making some positive steps towards a better life now. Yep. Now you came up with this really cool acronym called LIFE, L-I-F-E, to help identify certain areas within your life that maybe you are um, taking part in these self-sabotaging activities and to better identify how to start getting on a path of correcting that. Can you explain a little bit about this process and then about the quiz that you've made available? Yes, absolutely. So we all have different personalities, wants, interests, and and whatnot. And that's why everybody's life factor is a little different. You know, what are our underlying drivers that lead us down the path of self-sabotage? For all of us, it's different, but I think it boils down to four factors and everybody has a different combination of these factors. So life stands for four types of things that could lead you down the path to self-sabotage. L stands for low or shaky self-esteem. Now, self-esteem, obviously it has a lot of different components. You could have like a great athletic self-esteem, but maybe not a great relationship self-esteem. So there's all these aspects of yourself and you may feel more confident about certain areas than others. But if there is an area about your life that you're not as confident on, that may be the area that you self-sabotage sometimes because, again, you don't believe that good outcomes can happen for you in this particular area. I stands for internalized beliefs. These are things that we learn from childhood, from our early experiences, from important adults in our life. So one example is if you had a very anxious parent, um, they were very anxious They were always talking to you about, you know, watching where you walk, don't go out, don't stay out too late. Everything's a a big problem. Well, as a child, it's annoying. But as an adult, you all of a sudden realize, "Uh uh-oh, I'm turning into my mom or dad. You know, you have some of those same beliefs that you adopted when you were young. And that's because things really imprint very strongly on us in our early years when we're just learning about the world. F stands for- Oh, Gretchen's been imprinted. 
Yeah. <laughs> Didn't mean to cut you off. I'm sorry. No, no it's okay. It's so wild how much that how that how much that <laughs> relates to me. Just even the it's funny you just said that because I never even thought about the anxiety side of things, but that's like right really funny because I'm totally ex- anxiety driven in my adult life. And you know, my mom was the mom that would literally send the articles of the girl that just got chopped up and put in the freezer, you know, to me every week when I was at college. And I was just like, oh my gosh. And so whenever I would ever be out or doing something or whatever, like all my friends just thought I was crazy because I was like, okay, look behind you. Do you have your mace? What's going on? You know, like, and I was just always on edge. And so, and I think I'm still always on edge because of like you're saying, it's just instilled in you as a young child and you didn't even realize that, you know, that was happening. So sorry, I didn't mean to Yeah, cut you I cut you no. off at F, I'm sorry. No, I'm so glad that you guys related to that. And I'm so glad you shared that because I think it's such a common experience and people don't realize they don't put the two and two together until they really think about it. Whoa, I think I might've adopted this from my parents and certainly my parents too. I mean, just even their values, what they found important, right? As a child, that didn't seem like I should care that much about that. But now as an adult, I'm like, uh oh, I really feel like I'm adopting the personality traits of both my parents in different ways. And so it's absolutely right. And then F stands for fear of change or the unknown. So Clearly, most human beings, I mean, we don't love a lot of change. We don't love a ton of novelty. As I mentioned before, we kind of like to have control over things. But some personalities have a harder time with that. Some personalities have a harder time when they don't know what's coming up. Um, When you try to change things on them, they don't like it. And that can get in their way when they're trying to reach a goal. Because obviously, there's going to be all kinds of changes and things that you haven't seen ahead of time and you're going to have to roll with it and be flexible. And that can be hard for some people. And then E is for excessive need for control. So this is for the perfectionists, the achievers, right? The, yeah, the, the control freaks. And I'm raising my yes. hand as well. Yes. Um, you know, and I say this in the most endearing way because I see myself as a total type A personality. My Me husband too. is as well. We literally sometimes will get into like a little tiff for no reason, like about when or how we should turn off a light. I mean, it's like, why is that important? (laughs) And he's like, you should turn it off like this. I'm like, no, I turned it off like this. I'm like, it is literally a switch. Why are we, what are we? There's only one way to turn off a light. Right. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But that can happen. That can happen. And and that, that excessive need for control can sometimes hold us back as well, because if we can't be every part of the process, like having difficulties delegating, you know, having difficulty trusting other people to do certain things for us, that can get in the way of us achieving the goals that we want in our lives too. That's so true. So, okay. So now that we've gone through those acronyms and now that we can all recognize in each one of those areas where we struggle, how do you go about fixing those or helping with those? Is it this well, quiz? I want to hear up? first. I want to hear first what your life factors are, what Slade's life factors are and what your life factors are, Gretchen. Did you guys take the quiz? <laughs> so I have it right here. So Slade has it. Okay. So I started, I started, I think I got through one and a half pages. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. But here's the thing, the, the, the quiz, and this will be a good question for anyone out there that takes this quiz. This is like a self-sabotage assessment that Dr. Judy Ho does to help you kind of assess yourself. And if you're self-sabotaging, sabotaging yourself. Um, but like, so for instance, like this first question, the way you feel about yourself on any given day depends largely on situational factors, what others say about you, how others respond to you, or what your weight is on the scale. 
So mm-hmm. my question for you on that is if you're a girl and you're PMSing, that totally could be different for you than on just regular days. And so <laughs> it's not acceptable because I was actually feeling, so, filling things out for Gretchen. And the answer was just supposed to be a check mark, but I wrote on when she's on her menstrual cycle. Yeah. <laughs> no, but that's like, a check. That's a check. But like legit, what's interesting about that is I was like, you know, the overall, like how I overall feel about myself. No. Would I say it's defined by those things? No. But is there definitely days that I wake up like, you know, um, like I was talking about just feeling yucky. It was like a couple of days ago. I was like, you know what? Mm-hmm. I just don't feel good in my own skin right now. I don't feel comfortable getting in clothes. I don't feel confident like I used to. And it's like, so yeah, I wake up and I get frustrated about that or like, sure. Is there some days that like, you know, I'm left out of like a party or being invited somewhere or doing something that I just feel like crap and my self-worth feels like, oh my gosh, am I, I'm not worthy enough to be with those friends or whatever. Yeah. Gee, do you I think have... I'm married to a psychologist? <laughs> it's supposed to be in general. So like most yes. days, do you feel this way? It's not for you to actually pick apart every question and like have a full hour session about it. <laughs> Just FYI. This is in general. That's, that's if you feel my this voice. way more often than not, then that's where yes. the check goes. Okay. That's how this goes. Slate okay. so. is correct. <laughs> Okay. I d- you can thank me later, doctor. I did that to save you. <laughs> I because love it. <laughs> you guys would have been there for like three hours psychoanalyzing. Well, why does I the do. squirrel go around I the tree? Why does he just pick up the nuts? That. If the nuts are there, the squirrel should just pick them up. Why is he going in circles? I think that's actually part of my own self-sabotage is I think I like over analyze and and like i'm such like a critical thinker to like a whole other level it's it's like it's too much yes i get psychoanalyzed on the daily (laughs) here you can use my test results and you can actually tell the doctor what happened here so slay got uh so mostly a's uh two and then mostly b's one mostly c's zero mostly d's three so that's the highest number so because that's the highest number then i fall within this category Wait, wait. Oh, it spells it all out for you. That's yes, it amazing. does. See what's really okay. cool. So I'm uh, since I was mostly D's, I'm excessive and need for control. Oh, okay. So depending on okay, so once you go through this, um, this quiz, doctor, you you find out if you're mostly A's, mostly B's, mostly C's, mostly D's, and then you yeah. look and you read what mm-hmm. that section is, and then okay. Yeah. So for instance, with with Slade, he's mostly D's, so excessive need for control, which I find that very interesting, really. I don't feel like it's, you, an, it's an underlying need. I don't, I don't, that's right. interesting. I feel like that wouldn't be you. I don't feel like no. you really present that way. That's because I have to let you think you're in control. <laughs> ah. You and I both really know I have an excessive yeah. need to be in control, even if I have to let you believe you're in control. So wait, ex- explain that to me, doctor. So like if somebody's mostly D's, their excessive need for control. Mm-hmm. And like with Slade, talk to me a little bit about that. I'm a, I'm a D and an A. Yeah, you're D and then secondarily you're an A. So yeah, excessive need for control, I'm not surprised at all. I mean, you guys are both alphas, clearly. You guys are like Mm -hmm. the power couple. And thank you. as Slade mentioned, sometimes one person in the power couple has to give a little bit in certain situations, but in their mind, it's like a, it's like a conscious giving. It's like, I'm going to let her have this one and maybe I'll save up my bank for something else that I want later. You know, Um, how many times do I tell you I'm putting credits in the bank, baby? (laughs) You're totally right. That is Slade. You're right. (laughs) Yeah. And, and actually I really resonate with what Slade's saying, because as both of us talked about, we have the propensity to sometimes procrastinate and procrastination Mm -hmm. is actually one of the hidden, uh, traps of people who are 
resonating with this idea of excessive need for control. The procrastination sometimes is actually a downfall of a type of perfectionism. You don't want to get started on something until you like really can devote the time or when you like really have conceptualized everything the way right. that you want. And then before you know it, you ran out of time and you're like, uh oh, now I just have to like pull some crap together. Um, right. And then sometimes that it's worse than true someone who doesn't. But you're so right on because I will honestly tell you, I think it's been a true struggle for most of my life. And I have to keep reminding myself that rather than getting ready to go to work, I just have to go to work. But I have always yeah. been really focused on, and so many people do, is that they're getting ready to do the work, getting ready. And I've had to convince myself that I'm more better off taking a step in the wrong direction because it puts me closer to a step in the right one. So I have to just take yep. the action. But my yep. whole life was always about getting ready to go to work versus just going to work. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I had yeah, to learn that because I'm old. Yeah, but that's not that's not actually the, the actually going to work. I just want to clarify for everyone out there. That's not actually that's just like a a, a metaphorical statement. No, Is that it's a not. Word? Metaphorical? No, it's not. It means even though you're not prepared necessarily to take the action, you just take the action. No, I'm saying yeah. because all the people out there always say Slade never went to work. Slade never worked. I'm, that's what I'm talking about, you tool. Oh my god, why are you <laughs> talking about them? They don't know what I do. I, that's my point. I just don't want somebody to manipulate what you're saying. <laughs> it's like a more <laughs> of a metaphor. You, see, see, Gretchen checks that box where I'm worried about what other people think. I don't yeah. care. No, excuse me. See, see, the see? box that I'm checking is the press that will write all this crazy crap about you. Let them, let them talk about it, because then Judy can go fix them all. I'm the I'm one. I'm going to buy your book. I'm the one that gets all the crap on social media. That's so. true. Everybody, go ahead and tweet me. I won't <laughs> respond, and I probably won't see it. You'll just, oh you'll just gosh. pass it along to Gretchen to figure it out for you. <laughs> pass it along but to Gretchen. If I was to take a guess, I think maybe Gretchen would be also excessive need for control because we've already discussed totally. that being the power couple totally. thing. And then maybe your secondary one is the internalized beliefs because you said that you resonated yeah. with that a little bit from your upbringing. Yeah. And so, you know, I think I all think of us have sure. sort of these combinations of these life factors, but it, it makes so much sense, right? Because that's just how we make sense of the world. And then you get yourself into a certain pattern. So like with internalized beliefs, for example, sometimes you'll self-sabotage because maybe you're a little too careful or maybe you're a little too detail oriented if you grew up with some of those beliefs. And then it makes it harder for you just to say, whatever, like, I'm just going to go for it. And actually, I've seen a little bit of that just in our conversation, because Gretchen, you're way more detail oriented. Like even just that first question, you're like, um, I got stuck because what about the days of my period? <laughs> <laughs> totally. That's I the just, part totally. of Gretchen Christine that people don't know. Totally. <laughs> totally. But, but in fairness, and I know you know this. Um, when you study anything that has to do with psychology, I mean, mm -hmm. the questions that you get on your exams, they are like 28 pages long and they're so analytical and you have to like dissect every single little detail of every word in the question. You live for this. Though. And it's like it's like you, you're you almost like trained to think yeah. uh, like such an analytical, like, you yeah, know, critical thinking. Critical but she thinking. loves this, by the way. She loves studying human beings. Yeah. Why yeah, do they do what they do? Why did you make that decision? How come you said that? Fascinating. Yeah. She, she loves it. Well, that's why so, we're okay, both psychology so, majors. <laughs> I, right? I totally it's like get it. Fascinating. So, you know, something as I was like going through a little bit of this quiz and thinking about things like the internalized traditions um, that we have. Okay. So what I realized, and I think this is also kind of some important information for parents out there and me being a new parent, like I really want to make sure that I'm cautious of this with my child. Um, because what you're doing now as a parent can affect your children much you know, later in life. And I realized that 
there was this thing that my parents did to me that, and by the way, my parents are the most amazing, incredible people ever. And I don't fault them at all for this, but it's interesting how what they thought at the time was really beneficial to me has affected me a little bit negatively throughout my life. And so as a little girl, I would, you know, I would do something, I would be successful at or whatever. And it would always be like, that was really good. But Mm -hmm. imagine if you did it this way, it could be Mm -hmm. even better. And it's like, it forced me to always try and be better and do good or, you know what I mean? Like take it to the next level and excel even more. So I'm so grateful for that in that area. But then there's other parts of my life that I've realized or I've come to realize that it actually has has forced me to feel as if I'm unworthy of some things because Mm -hmm. uh, unworthy or like if I'm not like we were talking about earlier, if I'm not invited to an event or, you know, if I get left out of something or whatever, I somehow associate that with my worthiness. And, Mm -hmm. and it's like, and, and I sit there and I think to myself, like, I don't, I don't feel like I have low self-esteem. So why does this Mm -hmm. affect me that much? Because I don't consider myself, I wouldn't, you know, diagnose myself as somebody with low self-esteem per se, but I get so affected. So would you say that has a deep connection to what was happening in my childhood? And if it does, how do I, how do I get out of that? Well, it's a great question. And I think again, so relatable. I think it resonates with so many people because when you're a go-getter that that came from somewhere, either you watched your parents and they were go-getters or like they instilled in you that like, this isn't good enough. You have to keep going. And like you said, really thankful for that type of teaching because mm-hmm. I wish more people honestly would have that kind of teaching. Yeah. I mean, I, I, myself, I believe I had some tiger parents, you know, and, uh, it actually mm-hmm. helped me, you know, to, to, to yeah. work harder, but at the same time, sometimes it kind of starts to be convoluted in that your own personal self-worth is so tied up in your achievements and like tangible mm-hmm. things that you're, mm-hmm. you're making your mark on, or you're getting to the next level. Like all of those things are so important that, Sometimes it's hard just to accept that even when you're just there and you're just being or when you made a mistake or you like actually don't have any big goals for this weekend, that you still feel just as valuable on that day as another day Mm -hmm. when you just like killed something, you know, like just really went after a huge goal. And so I think that that's always a tough thing to balance that, you know, um, that you are actually somebody of worth and it's the same level of worth even on a day when you're just sitting on the couch and doing absolutely nothing with your life mm-hmm. as you are on a day when you know you debut a huge project that you've been working on and and I think that that's hard to grapple with when you grow up with that sort of incessant idea of like there's always the next level there's always better you know there's always the next thing to do um and that that, that can happen to a lot of people who work hard yeah well but and it's 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 really hard to unpack that mm-hmm. meaning that what if there is a sibling or someone else in the house that doesn't receive the information the same way? What if they weren't able to actually achieve some success and now suddenly their self-worth starts to really just plummet because they're seeing the success happen with the other sibling, but the other person didn't achieve what they wanted to. And then all of a sudden it goes in a completely different direction, even though they received the same information at the same time from the same parents. Exactly. So you're right. The balance of that and how you deliver the information is so critical. And it's it's varied based upon the personality of the individual, right? Yep. But here's my question. So, doctor, for someone like that, like, how do you, what would be your suggestion or thought? Because as I talked about at the very beginning of this, like, I want to find tangible things that people can actually really start to do in their everyday lives. Like, what would you suggest to somebody? Like, if I was your, your, Patient can we be her kids? Couch, we could be your kids. She could be like, you know, and I was explaining to you that's that struggle. 
yeah. um, that I've that I've somehow, you know, been able to recognize now that, uh, you know, in so many ways in my life, it's been such a beneficial thing. But there's other areas in my life that it actually affects me negatively. What would you suggest? How do you mm -hmm. overcome that? What do you do in those moments? Well, this is a great question because we're getting down to those tangibles, the practical tips that people can walk away with. And now that you understand your life factors and where the drivers of self-sabotage are coming from, then it makes sense why you think the ways that you do. And Slate mm -hmm. actually just alluded to this, this idea of like two people can grow up in the same household, but the messaging that they take, part of it's their personality and how they think about things. You know, an event can happen to two people, but one person can have a thought about it and that can lead them down a path of feeling good that day. And another person could have a totally different kind of interpretation. And that just leads them to have a horrible day. They like crawl back into their bed and they just do nothing. And that has to do with your thoughts, your interpretation of the objective things that happen to us. And in terms of how to get out of it, now that you realize, for example, I'll just take you as an example, Gretchen, that you realize that you have sort of this duality of, I work really hard, I try to get it, but then sometimes I feel bad about myself, if I haven't gone as far as I wanted to, or maybe I got left mm -hmm. out of this thing. I wonder if it was me, if I could have done something mm -hmm. better, blah, blah, blah. Right. Well, those are thought patterns that you can start identifying. And in my book, I talk about some of the most common thought patterns, but some of the ones are things like black and white thinking. So black and white thinking is a type of cognitive behavioral thought pattern that we talk about where essentially you make one mistake and it's like, okay, well, that's whole thing is blown. You know, it's very easy for you just to go kind of all the way in the other direction instead of like, okay, everybody mm. makes mistakes, whatever, keep moving. Um, but sort of having this judgment of like, either I'm having an A plus day or I'm having an F day. There's no in between. Another really mm -hmm. common thought pattern is that cat catastrophizing that a lot of people do. Like something bad happens and you think, okay, well, that's it. Like it's going to just completely spiral from here. And I'm not going to be able to get back where I was. Um, maybe last night, maybe yesterday, I was just thinking about this and here it is happening again. You know, this is going to be my life forever. And sometimes people will have thought patterns where there's a lot of social comparisons. You know, you compare yourself to people. And even when people tell you, you guys are both doing this really well, your interpretation might be, nope, I never measure up. I'm just not as good as my sister. I'm just not as good as this other colleague of mine. And that, of course, can get you down, you know, comparing ourselves to people's highlight reels. I mean, obviously, that's happening so much yeah. right now on social, social media. media now. It's the that. worst. Yeah. Yes. Right. So, yeah. So people develop these thought patterns and they come from the life factors. You know, the life factors drive you towards certain types of thought patterns. And then once you understand what those thought patterns are, you're like, OK, now that I know this is actually happening then I can do something about it because I can then change my thought patterns. You know, a lot of times we go through life not knowing our thought patterns because our brain is trying to conserve mm -hmm. energy. So if you have the same kind of thoughts over and over, it's actually going to start ignoring it. So you forget, you forget to have awareness of it, but it still impacts how you feel and what you do. Mm -hmm. So would you say like on days that I'm like struggling with that, would you say like, go listen to positive affirmations or go listen to Tony Robbins or well, <laughs> Mel even, or whoever, you even know? Even before that though, she just said something really important. She said that if there is a pattern of thought that happens on a regular basis, what happens is you start to ignore it because it's something that you've conditioned yourself to, to do on a regular basis, but your body still chemically reacts to the thought. Right. 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 So it can cause some subconscious depression to happen you For may sure. have had this thought. You didn't think anything about it. It happens all the time. No big deal. But why am I so depressed today? Why am I not motivated to get things done? Mm -hmm. Right. So maybe there's something something there about when you start having those particular feelings, you go back and self-assess. Yes. Did something happen that's happening on a regular basis to me that's causing me to feel this way? 
that's a trigger for the self-assessment so that you can get out of the repetitive thinking. Which I get that. But I guess my point being is that we can sit there and once once somebody's acknowledged it, like I was talking about, I think I've acknowledged maybe the reasons why I have these thoughts or these feelings. I'm trying to figure out what the practical step is that I can do in that moment where I'm struggling, where I'm, you know, I mean, and there's the basic things of like, go outside, take a walk, like that sort of stuff. But is there anything deeper that I'm missing other than those basic things of like, you know, get outside, clear your head, put put some positive thoughts in your head. Like, is there Mm -hmm. anything else that I'm missing that, you know, we as a listener or whatnot (laughs) can do to, why are you shaking your head? Because there is. There is. Change your state, (laughs) Gretchen. Be Tony Robbins. Yeah, but a lot of people, especially people that are like literally have depression, they can't just wake up and be like, okay, right. I'm fine. Let me right. change my state. So that's exactly that's right. what I'm talking about. It's like, yep. how, what are the little, because you know what I'm saying? When you see yep. something that seems so intangible, seems so far away, let's say you're really depressed and like you don't even mm-hmm. want to get out of bed. It's like, you can't just be like, just wake up and do it. It's like, what are the yep. little tangible steps that we can start yes. to take maybe on a daily basis to start changing our thought process or stop changing those negative thoughts in our head? You're so yes. analytical, Greg. So first of all, Gretchen, great point. You're absolutely right that sometimes when you're in the dumps, like, you know, this idea of like, just read positive affirmations, like it's not going to work all the time. No, we're going to talk about something deeper and something that actually is quicker to do. And what I wanted to also add is Slade, did you write this book? Because what you said earlier was exactly what I talk about in the book, which is when you notice that something doesn't feel so good, you know, you're having a bad day, you're, you're angry, you're irritable, you're depressed, you're anxious. The idea, the first step, the tangible step is once you notice that negative feeling, okay, as a society, we're oftentimes conditioned just to run away from it, avoid it, pretend it's not there, maybe drink alcohol, maybe play video games and try to forget about it. But let's not do that. What you should do when you notice that feeling, that uncomfortable feeling is say, oh, what was I thinking just before this? There must be something I was thinking that led to this feeling because Thoughts always come before feelings, but we don't notice the thoughts. Again, your brain just ignores it, but we do notice the feeling. We notice feeling sad. We notice feeling angry. Or sometimes we notice the behavior that comes afterwards. Like, wait a minute, this is my third muffin in five minutes. Like what happened? (laughs) I'm sorry. Right? So so I've been there too. Don't worry. I mean, like, it's like, once you start snacking, it's just like, "Mm, it's so good, you know? Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So so anyway, it's the idea of once you notice a behavior you don't like or a feeling that you don't like, you you rewind back like, what was I thinking just before this? There's always a thought that you can catch that led you down this path. And once you notice what that thought is, instead of trying to just transform it right there to be like, let me read a positive affirmation and Tony Robbins myself out of it. No, the idea is ask yourself if that thought even has credence. The things that we tell ourselves half the time don't even make any sense. They're totally exaggerations, you're catastrophizing, you're doing that black and white thinking, you're like overly comparing yourself to someone else. So you have to actually ask yourself the first question, which is, okay, like what evidence do I have that this thought is true? And if you Mm -hmm. actually ask yourself that question, half the time, these really damaging thoughts have like no proof associated with them. It's just a thought that you've been percolating in your head since you were 12. And Mm -hmm. once you realize that that thought doesn't have that much credence, then the next step is, okay, well, if it doesn't have any resemblance in reality, or at least it's not as much reflected in reality as I first thought it was, then do I have to act on it? Like, do I actually have to feel this way? No, you know, you can take another path. So what is that other path? And that's when you start thinking about what's this next behavior that I can do to put myself back on track, especially now that I know that this thought actually doesn't have a lot of credence in reality. 
So I want to leave everyone with a little tidbit because we could literally keep you all day. <laughs> and, you, and I have I have so many ideas for you to come back and and please uh, work with us on things that we could discuss because this is this has like been amazing. I hate it when my little board comes up and I'm like, oh man, we're running out of time. I know because I have like 800. <laughs> yeah, we have like so many other questions. questions. But I love I love what you've said in your book and, and why you've touched upon this because here's what we do know physiologically, and I think this is important for people to understand. Your brain is a pharmacy. So every chemical in your body, every hormone and every component that the body needs to function comes from the brain. Yes. Your thoughts and your perceptions and the actions that you take are a direct reflection as to the formulation of a particular compound that the brain is going to produce. That's mm-hmm. where fight or flight comes from. You get yes. scared. All of a sudden there's adrenaline. All the resources of the body and the brain get driven towards your muscles to run away, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's, a, it's a chemical reaction that takes place that actually initiates the physical action. So yes. what you're telling people to do, which is so freaking brilliant, in my opinion, when you go back and you're able to say, look, I feel depressed in this moment. What was the thought that led to the depression? Because that thought caused the brain to produce a chemical dopamine or something to actually cause me to feel depressed because the body's trying to protect itself literally from the thought. Yes. Correct? Yes. So it's it's a fascinating topic to think about the way the body reacts to what you perceive, see, or hear, because it's those thoughts that are creating these chemicals that change your state. So what yes. do you think the thought is when you keep shoving those muffins in your mouth? <laughs> honestly, what honestly, is the thought? no, legit. I I'll really want. We got to solve this. What is that? No, I'll tell you what it is. What that is straight up a distraction. That is yes. straight up a means of getting busy with an activity that is, is keeping me from going and doing the hard work I know I need to do to achieve what I want to do achieve. That's all it is. It's a yes. distraction. I'm going to go do that, but you know what? I'm going to take some time to eat a muffin. So yep. what are so, you going to do to change that? So now you have to start thinking every time you go to stick something in your mouth that you know is unhealthy for you, what are you going to do? So let me I give you guys you a little time? tip. I, cause I know okay. this, I know this pattern and I get it so much. And okay. when you have that, you just basically create what, we, what I call it, if then. Like, if I start shoving the second muffin in my mouth, then I will do this. And you literally write this plan down ahead of time because you know this is going to come up at some point. <laughs> and so then, then you basically, there's a trigger point where you put that plan into action. If X happens, then this. And the reason why you want to write it out ahead of time is because when you're already shoving those muffins in your mouth, like, eh, you're already distracted, right? Like you said, Slade. I mean, again, every... Action has a reaction. Your thought is producing a chemical. It causes a feeling. It causes another behavior. So you don't want to wait till then because by then you're already distracted and mindless and la la la, you're eating like your third muffin, right? So you have to have like a trigger point, which is why you have that if and then written out ahead of time. And then you just kind of like follow the script when you get there. It's exactly what I did last night with you. What did I do last night with you? What did I talk to you about? I said, what is the main reason that I want you to start eating healthy? Because you're worried about my my longevity. Right, Aww. because of why? Because I have a wife and child. Because yeah. he has more so the child. And so I said to him last night, I said, look, babe, I will love you no matter what. Like mm-hmm. whether you're 25 pounds overweight or whatever, that doesn't matter to me. It actually is more that I feel like we have to, we have a responsibility. We're older parents already and we have a responsibility to be around for this child. And so like we have to 
we have to make that decision when we're thinking, when we're putting food in our mouth of like, this could actually affect our child's life if we're not mm. careful, because I wouldn't want to wake up one day and us have, you know, high cholesterol or high blood pressure or a stroke or something horrible happen to us because we are not being smart about what we're putting in our bodies. Because like you're saying, we're coming up with all these other excuses or whatever, we're procrastinating or we're covering something up. It's like, you have to really decide that you want to make that change. And, and it's always good to have your uh, what's the word? Like, what would what would be the word? Your, your, your your plan? No, but like the thing that makes you motivated to do it. What would what would that be called? I can't think of the word. Well, right you're, now. <laughs> yeah, you're the the impetus, the value behind why you do something. And I'm so glad that you're talking about it because that is one of the ways to prevent self sabotage. Is like really thinking about why you committed to this goal in the first place. So this is not a goal that you have just because you want to look good in your social media pictures. Because let's be honest, right? Which is just Photoshop, and everybody looks amazing. So right. Okay. Um, right. But um, but it's really about why do I even care? Why why does it matter that I eat the third or fourth muffin? Oh, it matters because my overall health matters, and I want to be around for a great quality life with my family. And that that does help you to prevent self-sabotage because you're really rooted in the reason why you have to do it. So so Slate, I have a question for you. What is your if then? Like, and what is it? Is it once you put the second muffin in your mouth, like then that kicks in? And what is the then? What are you going to do to take yourself out of that behavior? That's a great question. And I don't, I honestly do not know the answer because <laughs> the problem, there's a lot of conditioning here too. I, I yes. grew up uh, as an athlete mm-hmm. and consumed a lot of food because it was oh. hard for me to eat enough calories really because of my workout routine. Oh, and when that remember changes, those great days, <laughs> I do, mm-hmm. I used to just eat, sleep and ride the bike. I mean, that's oh, all I ever so did. Good. So, so I, I remember those days. And so these are just, they're, they're, they're patterns and their habits that I need to break. I have so much work to do in the evening. And by the time we're done with Sky and we get her down to sleep, it's that quiet time. And I know there's work to do, but I'm like, oh, I just want to eat first. Mm -hmm. I just want to sit down for Mm -hmm. a second. And then I sit down and then I eat. And I'm like, before I know it, I'm too tired to freaking do the work. (laughs) Yeah, Like I just, I have to go to bed, right? So, I mean, I do, I I self-sabotage. It's just about poor planning. What I said to her last night was, here's the deal. We simply need to have better choices in the house. We need to get Mm -hmm. rid of the crap food. We need to be shopping at an organic way, grocery store. By the way, just for my defense, he's the one that always goes to the grocery store and comes home with the Oreos and like all this. I'm it's like, true. Really? I don't deny it, but you like it a little. <laughs> no, I. but I can, <laughs> I can manage it. I feel like I'm much you better. You are an enabler. No, I'm much better. I, like, do you or do you not eat the, eat the Oreo? Yes, but babe, but Do you I'll eat the eat, ice cream? Listen to me. Do you eat chocolate? I'll eat the Oreo. Enabler. Maybe once or twice a week, you'll sit down and eat the entire box of Oreos in one setting. But the point That's a is, big is difference. I have no self control. You're an enabler. It shouldn't be in the house. Anyway, <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> I I know we have to let you go, and I want to keep you forever. Um, but let me give you let me give you, you an idea though for your muffin because again, oh, please, please, I totally please, feel please. this. <laughs> That's I totally so get funny. it. Give like, you an idea for your muffin. For your muffin. Yeah. Gretchen oh Christine. Yeah. She it. always takes us to that place, doctor. I know. Okay. I was I was like, let's walk away with the tangible. Okay. So this is what we know about biology and chemicals. And I know Slade, you already kind of broke this down too. And I know you're a believer in this. So like the idea is that if we can give ourselves 15 to 20 minutes in between like a first and second helping, um, your body's um hunger cues actually start to kick in and you start to feel satiated and you might not want Mm -hmm. it in 20 minutes. So maybe it's Mm -hmm. you eat one muffin and before you pick up the second one, you literally set a timer on your phone for 15 minutes. You go do something else, whatever, like fold some clothes, talk to Gretchen, look at your kid, whatever. And then when the timer goes back um, on, 
ask yourself if you really still want that muffin because like 90% of the time you actually don't after 15 minutes. Like once yeah. you've walked away from that danger zone, your body's yeah. like, oh, I'm actually pretty satisfied with that one muffin. Then you might actually want to get to work or do whatever else you need to do at that time. That is such great it, advice. It I love great that. Advice. I love it, that because I can't tell you how many times that's happened just by default. Because what happens is I'm trying to eat something and then I can't get through the whole meal because something comes up with Sky and I have to walk away and go take care of Sky. And then when I come back to and I'm thinking I'm still like gonna eat that, and I'm like, wait, I'm not even hungry anymore. Mm -hmm. It's really wild how your body really will talk tell you and talk to you, but you have to be diligent and like actually paying listening attention to, to that and listening to that. And so that's a really great, that's really great advice to like set a timer and be like, I really don't need the second muffin. And I'm, I don't, you know, I feel like I want it, but do I really need it? And kind of doing that test time frame. I love that. So yep. here, here's what I'd love to do. Tangible evidence. Tangible. I love it. I mean, so tangible um, advice. I love it. I'm going to pitch. I'm going to pitch Dr. G. Right okay. Now. okay. Pitcher. <laughs> I too, Cause I just love talking to you. And so all these ideas come to mind. So we'd love to have you back, obviously. Yeah. And we'll do a little check-in. I'll be, I'll be, I'll show you my, my waistline next time we have a chat, but <laughs> I would love to, I would love to get into a conversation specifically just around the topic of thoughts become things. Yes. And I think that would be so fascinating just because of how we understand the mind works, the chemicals that the brain produces and all these things and how it's yeah. a direct reflection of the body and its reaction. I would love to do that with you because we could do a whole segment on oh that. My and God. I think that'd be really fascinating for people. So please let's do that. Um, Dr. Judy, can you tell us where everyone can find you on social media and where they can listen to your podcast? Absolutely. And I would love to come back. I have so much fun talking to you guys. I mean, we could talk for like five more hours. So I'm glad that we'll have a chance to totally. connect. But we are already friends on social media, Gretchen and Slade and I. My social media handle yes. is at Dr. Judy Ho. And my most active platform is probably Instagram, but I'm also on Twitter and Facebook. And you can also find out more information about me on my podcast, Supercharged Life. As we talked about, we're at one big, happy, exclusive podcast family through Stage 29 Productions. And you can find out more about my work at drjudyho.com. Awesome. And you guys, her book again is called Stop Self-Sabotage. So check that out. Can they just find that like on Amazon or what's the, where's yep. the best place to find it? You can that? find it on Amazon. Perfect. You can find it on my website and you can also link to it through my uh, Instagram as well. And can people take that quiz on your website? Is that where people yep. can find that? Yep. It's a free quiz. Awesome. And uh, then you too will find out what your life factors are. As Gretchen and Slade so you guys, that's called <laughs> right, right, <laughs> right. So you guys, that um, quiz is called self sabotage assessment, and you can find that on her website. And uh, Dr. Judy, we can't say thank you enough for being oh. here with us today. It was such a pleasure. We had so much fun. Thank you so <laughs> yeah, much. Thank you so much. We love you. We can't wait to have you back. Love you too. That was so much fun. I love being a guest on the Not Too Taboo podcast with Gretchen and Slade to talk about my book, Stop Self-Sabotage. And I really hope that you enjoyed our conversation too and that you enjoyed getting to know them a little bit better. And now it's time for my supercharged tips. Well, usually we have five supercharged tips, but today we're gonna have a bonus tip to align with my book that covers the six steps to stop self-sabotage. Now, Gretchen and Slade and I talked about taking the life assessment. You guys should all do that. It's available for free on my website at drjudyho.com. We'll also link to it in the show notes. But once you understand what these underlying drivers of your self-sabotage are, the first step is to identify your self-sabotage triggers. 
Gretchen Slade and I talked about this a little bit. You know, we all have these types of thought patterns that occur over and over again that your brain starts to ignore. So it's time to take them out of the darkness, bring them out into the light and really understand what these patterns are. And I talk about some of these patterns in my book, but with Gretchen and Slade, we talked about the ones that are very common for people, like the social comparisons, the black and white thinking, the catastrophizing, the shoulds, you know, you know, thinking that you have to meet some kind of criteria, but that criteria keeps moving. It's kind of elusive. And so I'll get into all of those details more in my book if you were interested. But just understanding your thought patterns, first and foremost, is the first step. Understanding those patterns and identifying them and not being afraid to know what your thoughts are really saying to you. Because Every feeling and every behavior you do is preceded by a thought. So really remember that. And that's the importance of identifying those self-sabotage triggers. Step two is to deactivate your triggers and reset the thermostat. I also talked a little bit with Gretchen and Slate about this, that essentially when you notice yourself having an uncomfortable feeling or you notice yourself doing a behavior you don't want to do, ask yourself this simple question. What was I thinking just before this? Once you understand what those triggers were, you can start to deactivate them. And one of the most helpful ways to deactivate these thought triggers is to ask yourself, what evidence do I have that this thought is even true? When you ask yourself that question, when you take that attitude of curiosity towards your thoughts, you'll realize that most of your thoughts, especially the ones that plague you and make you feel bad, aren't even rooted in reality. And once you know that, you can decide to take a different action. You can, for example, act as if this is a technique out of the dialectical behavior therapy literature where maybe you're not feeling the best today. Maybe you are feeling sad, but can you act as if you were feeling better? And if so, what would be the next behavior that you do? I really challenge yourself to think about this act as if element to turn around these self-sabotage triggers, reset your emotional thermostat and have a good day, even if it got started on the wrong foot in the morning. Step three is to release the rut, rinse and repeat the basic ABCs. Well, what does that mean? That means that you're really looking at your behavior patterns. We talked a lot about this with Slade. Slade talked about the fact that he had this behavior pattern and he was eating multiple muffins sometimes. That was an example. But what was leading to that behavior pattern? Really understanding the ABCs. The A is the antecedent, which is the thing that happens before you do the behavior you don't want. And then C is the consequence. What happens after that behavior? So in our conversation, Slade said that the consequence was then he gets tired after eating the multiple muffins and then he was going to do work, but then he's so tired, he just goes to sleep and then the work gets delayed. And then that leads to the procrastination. So once you understand the chain of events, you can then move on to step four, which is replacement, not repetition. So how can you replace that behavior that's leading to these consequences that you don't want with a healthier behavior, with an alternative behavior. And I talked about this concept called if-then statements. If-then statements are really important and important to think about in advance of a behavior pattern you want to break, because when you're already in that behavior pattern, it's going to be so much harder to break it. You're already dysregulated, you're already tired, and it's going to be hard for you to take yourself out of that situation. So once you know what your ABCs are and you know that this behavior pattern is likely to happen, come up with an alternate behavior and place it in this if-then statement format. So if I want to reach for that second muffin, I will set my timer for 15 minutes, 
walk away, do something else. And then when that timer goes off, then reassess, do I truly want that second muffin? And generally, once you have that alternate behavior that takes you away from that situation, you're not going to necessarily want to go back to that pattern later because essentially you've broken up that pattern at a time when it was the most dangerous and the most likely to cause you self-sabotage. Step five is really tapping into your values. I am so glad that I got to talk to Gretchen and Slate about this too, because essentially Gretchen says, why do you even want to stop eating all these muffins? What's the reason? Well, it's because I want you to live forever and I want you to be around for myself and our beautiful daughter. We can commit to goals all we want. It can be a bucket list that we inherited from a friend or you see something on social media and you say you want to do that too. But unless it's rooted in the things that you truly find important, your values, it's not really going to matter. It's not going to sustain you and give you the motivation and willpower to push forward when things get tough. And any goal that is important is going to get tough sometimes. Think about having a child, moving across country for a new job opportunity, going to school and getting a degree. What of those types of experiences are always happy? Uh, answer is none, right? So you're always going to encounter difficulties along the way. And unless you're really rooted in your values and why you should commit to a goal, you're not going to be able to sustain that willpower through those difficult times. So really check in with your values, what you truly find important. Values are not things that you can check off. Values are things that essentially are the ways that you want to live your life and what you want to be remembered by. Now, if you're not used to identifying your values, I do have a values card game that you can play. It's also on my website for free at drjudyho.com. We'll also link to it in the show notes and you can find out what your top values are and then set your goals according to those top values. You'll see that this goes a long way to motivate you in the long run. And finally, step six is creating a blueprint for change. Now, my blueprint is really different. It's a visual tool, but I became inspired to develop this blueprint because the visual tools that we often talk about, like vision boards, even though they're great in the beginning, they don't give you that specific path on how you actually get there. You put these lofty goals on there, but you don't actually have a way to get there. And so then at the end of the year, when you review your vision board, you're so bummed because you didn't actually get to achieve a lot of those goals. And that's because you didn't have the pathway. My blueprint for change is different. It's like a blueprint for a house. When you look at a blueprint for a house, you know how big the closet's supposed to be, what the hallway leads to. Is it the bathroom or another bedroom? Everything is clear. And my blueprint for change is a visual tool that encompasses all of the tips that we just talked about, but all on one page so that you can put everything in one place and motivate yourself daily by looking at this blueprint, checking in with it and knowing exactly what steps you need to take to keep self-sabotage away that day and forever. So if you have any other questions or thoughts for me about my book, I would love to hear from you. And I really appreciate you listening to this episode of Supercharged Life. This was so special to me because I got to talk about my book, Stop Self-Sabotage. And it was truly a passion project. And I'm so, so fortunate that I've been able to share this with the world. If you like the show and you want to learn more, follow me at Dr. Judy Ho. And remember to subscribe, download, and tell your friends and take a moment to leave a review. It'll mean so much to me. In fact, I want to share a review from a listener right now. I really appreciate it when you guys write these reviews for me because it really keeps me honest and keeps me motivated to keep putting great content out for you. 
And this review is written by Lisa and is titled Must Listen. Dr. Judy Ho is both a gifted practitioner and a real world encourager. Her podcast provides a unique blend of fascinating guests and insightful tips for leading a more fulfilling, healthy lifestyle. Strongly recommend. Thank you so much, Lisa, for that kind review. And if you write me a review, I'll look forward to reading it out on a future podcast episode soon. Remember, if you have a question you want answered on this podcast, send me a message on Instagram and I'll try as best as I can to get to them in the next few weeks. I'm Dr. Judy. And remember, any time is a great time to supercharge your life. This podcast has been produced by Stage 29 Productions for entertainment purposes only. The contents of this podcast does not constitute medical, psychological, or professional advice, do not reflect the opinions of this company, any of its parent companies, affiliates, subsidiaries, promotional sponsors, or advertising agencies. The views expressed by the hosts and guests are their own, and their appearance on the program does not imply an endorsement of them or any entity they represent. For medical, psychological, or other advice appropriate to your specific situation, please consult a physician, a psychologist, or other trained professional. For more information, please go to stage29.tv.